Well, guys, I'm so glad that you came into counseling today. I think this is going to be great for, for all of us. Uh, guys, I want to do a little role play, okay? I want Gary to play me, the counselor. And I'm going to play Gary, the husband, okay? And I think we're going to learn something here. Dr. Leonard, there's a couple things I want to say to my wife. First of all, I don't deserve you. You're such a sweet princess, and I'm just a out-of-shape frog. But look at you. You're so beautiful, okay? It's amazing that you didn't end up with someone like a like a doctor, or maybe- well, Hey, hey, come on. Hey, what? Let, let it play out, let it play out. We're willing to do whatever it takes, Dr. Leonard. What, what are you doing? Gotcha! <laughs> now you're fighting for your marriage. Get over here and take your bride. Well, hey, we are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, we are especially thrilled that you've carved some time out of your weekend to be here with us at Crossroads. We are going to be talking about marriage uh, this morning as we continue our study in 1 Corinthians, which is a book found in the Bible. It was a letter written about 2,000 years ago to a church that was just struggling to figure out this whole journey of marriage thing. Now, this morning, we have one of our most popular uh, guest speakers back with us. Uh, his name is Rick Kyle. If, if you've been with us for any extended period of time, you may recall uh, Rick preached back in the fall. And uh, Rick was my youth pastor growing up over in Louisville, Kentucky. And, and he now uh, lives in Southern California, Simi Valley, and uh, uh, overseas and leads a ministry uh, there in which they are reaching uh, the next generation students uh, in Simi Valley that are helping them get off uh, drug addictions and such. But uh, would you just help me welcoming back uh, Rick Kyle? Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, buddy. Man, I am honored to be here. I told God 20 years ago, I said, God, will you help me see people the way you see people? And he said, yes. And I've got to tell you guys, if you could see you the way I see you, I see masterpieces, man. I feel like I'm at the Louvre when I sit in, in a church, man. Just beautiful people. And if you could understand, if we could understand who we are with God, then, the, then all low self-esteem would go away. We could just understand how much God loves and cares about us. It would, just, it would just melt away. You are an amazing creation by God. Every one of us. Every one of us. Let me pray and we'll start. Father, what an honor. What a privilege to be in your house. God, I thank you for this church. God, this is a growing church. Uh, this is a church, God, that cares. This is a church that is reaching out into the community. Uh, Father, we want to we lead people to Jesus and then lead people to lead people to Jesus. God, we want to be a, a, a house that brings stabilization, God. We just love you and worship you. Come and speak. It's not what I have to say. It never is, God, but it certainly is always about... <clears throat> Father, what you have to say. We just love you and worship you and praise you. In Jesus' name this morning, God. Amen, amen. Holy Spirit, come. Well, today our focus is, is going to be all about relationships. We're going to dig into 1 Corinthians 7 and focus on marriage. But I, I want you to guys to know, not just marriage. Don't, don't tune me out. We're going to focus on intimate relationships. And let me issue a little bit of a warning. I, I know there are signs outside, I thought it was kind of funny, that said, hey, PG-13. Well, it's going to be more like PG-11. 
okay? I, I mean, I, I'm going to keep this as PG as I can, but I don't want to shy away from reading the Word of God. I never want to do that. And I admit that when, if Patrick had said, hey man, we're doing a series through 1 Corinthians, or what passage don't you want to preach? I would have said, hey, how about not 1 Corinthians 7? <clears throat> Thank you so much, Patrick. I love the entire word of God, but some passages don't preach themselves. They require a lot more digging into. Uh, and, and some seem to target a smaller audience. And many of you have already, may have already checked out. I mean, I'm preaching on marriage and you're 15 years old. Or, or maybe you're single or you're divorced or your spouse is already waiting for you in heaven. Or maybe you just kind of feel like at this point, I'm done. I give up. But even if marriage isn't in the near future, I want you to hang in here because I'm, I promise you, I think the Bible makes a pretty compelling argument that every single one of us should understand the dynamics of marriage from the longest married couple to the longest reigning single. But before we dig in, I, I need to say that all of this, all this biblical stuff, all of this passage in particular, it, 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 everything about the word of God has to do with this. All of it has to do with intimate relationships. All of it has to do with fellowship. All of it has to do with how we treat one another. All of it has to do with how we relate to the pastor and the elders. All of it how we relate to individuals. The, the, the Bible is a masterpiece of fellowship. How well we do community with God is the focus of almost every page. If you don't believe that, when you go home today, read Matthew chapter 25. It might blow you away to realize that in the end, we are all judged. When it's all said and done, when the sheep are divided from the goats, we are all judged by how well we did community. Think about it. Read that. When did you? Jesus said, man, you saw me hungry and you fed me. You did community well. You saw me naked and you clothed me. You did community well. You saw me destitute and you provided for me. You did community well. Jesus himself said the greatest two commandments were to love him with all of your heart, mind, soul, your body, your strength. And, and to love everybody else exact, exactly the same way. Don't underestimate this. Don't underestimate relationships within the church, how you love, how you reach out, how you care, how you interact. Don't ever, ever underestimate that. Marriage is more than just a union between two people. It's a picture of Christ's relationship with you and I personally. The apostle Paul states this in Ephesians chapter 5. He states that marriage is a big picture of how we're all, all of us are relate to God. In Ephesians 5, he said, as the scripture says... A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's, that's a crazy mystery right there. What is that? United into one. <clears throat> so this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again that each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So you see, all of this is all about relationships and how well we do them, not just with our spouse, but also with our God. You may be out there and saying, I'm not married, but in a sense you are. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are married to Christ. Marriage paints a very important picture of how we are to relate not only to our spouses, to each other, but how we are relate to God. And it's sacred to God because, it's, because marriage is sacred to God because we're sacred to him. 
Man, I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church. My wife is to respect me the same way, show the same respect to me that she shows to Jesus. That's, that's not only huge, that's, that's insane, isn't it? I mean, just dwell on that for a while. How, how would that change or how should that change how you act towards each other? Well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and dig into God's word. Let's just find out what, what all this is about. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now, regarding the question you ask in your letter, it's good to abstain from sexual relationships. Paul didn't really want to talk about it either, but since you asked about it in the other letter, I'm going to talk about it. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relationships, because, but because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Paul's assumption here is that sexual relationships are only to take place in the marriage. He starts out by saying it's better if you never get married. But Paul's an unusually strong-willed man. He's called to travel to the known world and to spread the truth about God and his love for people. He, he'll find himself beaten and shipwrecked and, and, and jailed and eventually he'll die for his faith. He wasn't the perfect choice for a husband. And he knew it. And if Paul could have had his way, then all of us would have followed his path. Everyone would have been unencumbered by the devotion to somebody else that marriage demands. Hence the statement, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relationships. You see, sexual intimacy is the physical act that is meant to bond a man to a woman. It is the final act of coming together forever is one. It's the glue, it's the culmination of a, an emotional and a spiritual bonding. You show me a young couple that's not married that fights all the time, and I will show you a couple that has bonded themselves physically, but not emotionally and spiritually. That's the way we were designed. Bond emotionally, bond spiritually, and sex was to be the final act in marriage that brings you together and holds you together forever. My wife and I will have been married 26 years this coming August. And my wife is the only woman I've ever been intimate with like that. And it's easy for us to stay together because we've only been bound to one another. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But... But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. That's wild. <clears throat> Did you catch that, guys? You have to think about your earthly responsibilities and how to please your wife. That means going to that stupid movie. That means watching that show, doesn't it? That means flowers. That means... That means, uh, that means pausing the TV. That means, that means listening. That means caring. That means being concerned about where the children are. That means helping getting them into, into the check-in system. It means, it means more than I can emphasize. You have to think about how do you please your wife. Women, you're not off the hook. <laughs> Verse 34 his interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married 
woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. No nudging during this, by the way. If you're thinking, I hope he gets it, then you're probably the one that should be getting it. Paul said, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Hey, I get this. My, my family and I had the immense privilege of living in Poland for almost three years and planting a church there. And we would probably still be there. We would have stayed there, but our kids were begging us to go home when our project was over. And we had an obligation to them. Now, you could argue, Rick, certainly your obligation to Christ was stronger, and I agree with that, but God had given us children, and we were obligated to their mental and spiritual development. Marriage brings on responsibilities that God not only takes seriously, but guys, he fully understands it. He gets it. My married life was a distraction to my missionary life. It was a wonderful, blessed distraction, but guys, it was a distraction. And it was a distraction that caused me to refocus my life and my work for Christ. So I want to say this to you guys, if you're not married, and, and it looks like you may never be married, and you can live a morally pure life that is dedicated to Jesus, then do that. If you're single, don't be discouraged or embarrassing. You want to know what? Your calling may be much deeper than mine. Your faith may be much stronger. I encourage you to enjoy your time with God and build relationships with others with the intent of leading them to Jesus. But if you are married, then God and his word do place certain obligations on you for your spouse. And they parallel obligations that, that all, of us are, all of us have in our relationship with God. So let's dig into 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and look at verse 3 says the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, then the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to the husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Marriage means giving away your authority to someone else. Let's put it this way. Marriage is a call to submission. Man, we hate the sound of those words, don't we? I don't want to be submitted to anybody. I want to be in complete control. I want to go where I want and do what I want. But according to, according to this passage, my body belongs to my wife and her body belongs to me. I mean, let me give you an illustration. Been married 26 years this coming, this coming August. But we had been married about three months, my wife and I, living down in South Florida, and I thought it would be cool to get this little tattoo. And it's on my ankle. And it's a, little, it's a little cross with a 777, which to me represented the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I came home, and I was so excited about this cross. And I need you to not visualize this, but understand that I weighed 130 pounds more than I do now. So just kind of grasp that. Again, not too much visualization, or this will be a PG-13. But I, I, I weighed... I weighed 130 pounds, and I came home, and I showed my wife the tattoo, and I will never forget what she said. Honey, you have ruined your perfect body. I didn't know whether to hug her or have her institutionalized. I was staggered, but you know what? Love is blind, isn't it? 
In a very literal sense, she and I had presented our bodies to each other the day we were married. And she gets to say, what I, what I do with this? During college, I was on a beach with a good friend of mine laying there. And I'm getting as much sun as I can. And I said to him, his name was Dan Keating. And I said, Dan, am I, am I getting tan? And he glances over at me and he says, Ricky, you've got the body of a Greek god. And I thought, Wow. And then he turns and he says, and when he finds out what you've done with it, he's going to be mad. <laughs> but whatever it is, whatever it's worth, whatever it looks like, it's hers. And she has a say over it. Our bodies belong to each other and to each other alone. Not to another spouse. Not to somebody on Facebook, not to somebody at the office, not to somebody at work. They belong to each other and to each other alone. And that's mentally, physically, spiritually. And in turn, we as one belong to God and to God alone. This is a picture of my relationship with Christ, married or not. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And, and, and remember this line, this is truly the way to worship him. The day I accepted Christ as my Savior, I laid my body on his altar. I told God, hey, from this day forward, I'll go Wherever you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I'm telling you, folks, if you will tell God that and mean it, your life will be an adventure worth living. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I belong to you. My body is on your altar. I submitted my body, my mind, and my every movement to him. And, and, and I, I say, God, if you want this body in Afghanistan, then I'll go. God, if you want this body in Poland, then I'll go. God, if you want this body in Indiana or California or wherever you want it to go. And God, if you want these feet to stand in front of heroin addicts and meth addicts and alcoholics, young men and women, which I do every week in Simi Valley, California, then God, I will stand in front of that crew. And if you want these eyes to look at them like you, the way you love them, then I will love them. I will do whatever you want me to do. Let me teach that class? God, I'll teach that class. God, you want me to preach that message? I'll preach that message. God, you want me to encourage that person? I'll, whatever, it all belongs to you. Husband, it's mind-blowing to know that you are called to love your wife in exactly the same way. That's insane. That may cause you to stop and contemplate. Maybe you need to get away for an entire day. Personally, almost every Monday, I get in my car and I drive down to Malibu Beach. But you, you got the Ohio River. There's some, nice, there's some nice rocks down there. I personally sit in a Starbucks on Malibu Beach right across from the beach. But I, just sit there and ask God how you can submit yourself to your wife. What does that look like? I got to stop and tell you that uh, one of your crew said to me, I said, man, where's the Malibu here? And they said, go to Newburgh. And you, you laugh, but I gasped at how beautiful that area was. I walked down on that river and I said, wow, I forgot. I grew up swimming in the Ohio River and I forgot how magnificent it be. And I'm not kidding how pretty it was. Guys, let me say this to you. Ladies, let me say this to you. You may need to ruthlessly eliminate... 
anything or anyone that comes between you and your spouse or you and your God. You may need to ruthlessly eliminate anything or anyone that comes between you and your spouse or you and your God. When I look back at my life and the times I was suffering from depression, the times that I had so much anxiety, I can promise you that I was holding on to something that I thought I couldn't let go of. No, if I let go, it, it won't come back. And no, if I let go, I won't have it again. And no, if I let go, what would I do? And no, I, I, I've had it for so long. And when I have put those things down, oh, I look back almost every night and I say, God, thank you so much that I finally let that go. Because I thought it would bring me joy and it was bringing me misery. You may need to ruthlessly eliminate some things from your life. Let's read on. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul says, don't deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completed a prayer. Paul's like, I understand there are times when you kind of step back from each other. There may be times when you discuss what's comfortable, what's not comfortable. I get all that. But he says, afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Marriage is another call. It's, 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 a call to, it's a call to intimacy. I've submitted my body to her and she has submitted hers to mine. There are certain needs and desires that are only to be met by my spouse, by our spouses. And we are to meet those needs back to them. And if that seems impossible or so far away or so yesterday, then I think counseling, no shame in counseling or, uh, or at least coming together for a, a discussion is imperative. Work it out. Remove anything that is blocking the intimacy in your relationship. And, and, and this is such a great church, man, that's just growing and, and, and getting it, that they actually have marriage mentors in the lobby. I encourage you. No shame, man. I, we've gotten counseling before. Stop by. My prayer is that this sermon be so practical and so immersed in God's wise word that it will bring about life change and an abundant joy. I'm telling you sometimes letting go of things is the greatest thing in the world. Most things won't fix themselves. You ever notice that? I, I had a car. I'll never forget. It was a Ford Fairlane, and it got out of alignment. Well, alignments cost, like, I don't remember, like 50 bucks. And so you know what I thought I would do? Hit more potholes. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Then if you hit a pothole and it gets unaligned, certainly at some point I'm going to hit a pothole that's going to knock it back. Guess what? never worked. No lie, my tire broke off of the axle. Driving down the road. Guys, if something's broken, it normally won't fix itself. If the car is out of alignment, it'll never realign itself. It needs to be fixed. I'm not to simply decide that I no longer want to be physically intimate with my wife. Well, maybe she doesn't look like she did when I married her. Our love for our spouses is not to wane in any way. Seek God's help in this. Ask him to give you a continuous love and admiration from your spouse, for your spouse. Paul's words here are a warning. If, if we don't meet the needs of our spouses, then where will they be met? Where? That's an ominous thought. 
Intimacy is to be a part of our relationship as a way of bonding us together for as long as we exist together on this earth. And I must be willing to sacrifice my life and my body for my spouse. We have to cultivate physical intimacy, mental intimacy, spiritual intimacy. And there might be some things that that need to happen to bring the intimacy back. You may need to set a certain night aside every week as a date night. And don't let anything change that. My, my wife and I are, are really old, so we don't celebrate uh, Valentine's Day on the 14th because everybody else does. So we went out a week earlier, and we went to this really nice steakhouse because we had a gift certificate. And then we went to a really nice movie because we had another gift certificate. That's how pastors go out, by the way. So I, I, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, so what movie do you want to see, hon? And she like, my wife will almost always pick an action movie. And I'll say, come on. And also then I'm like, hon, Casablanca's showing tonight, special showing. This movie is showing. I mean, I mean, I mean, guys, honestly, you might have to go see Notebook 2. I mean, you just might have to do that. I get it. I mean, good night. You're just hoping it ends. Isn't it sad? Yes, the entire movie is sad. But my wife is like, no, I want to go to that action movie. And she's I saw like, you know, it was one of those series with the zombies and the, you know, just awesomeness, you know. And she's like, no, I saw the third one. I want to see it. I'm like, okay. I found that if Linda and I don't spend quality time together on a regular basis, then our relationships become tense. I start saying things like, why did you spend that money? I, I, what do you mean when you say that? Or she'll be like, well, wh- well, what did that happen? Well, how come I didn't know? A distance, if I don't, if I don't, you know, like I'll just call her now. I'll, I'll have a couple of hours in between meetings and I'll say, I'll say sweetie, you want to meet me for coffee? I I just understand that I need to be in her presence and understand her world and hear what's going on. We we pray together at the end of every single day. We do. I mean, if she she works at night, she does nursing assistant, a lot of times she'll be gone. Before she walks out, I'm leaving, we need to pray. Or or I'll be going up and and I'll say, hey, honey, we need to pray. I don't know if this is true or not. Statistics are statistics. But I heard that even in, in Christian circles, 51% of marriages end in divorce, but I've heard that people that pray together every night, 5% end in divorce. I heard that years ago, and guess what we do together every night? We pray. Now, I got to admit, there are some times I I go up and I have my devotions always. I dig into the Word of God before I go to bed, and I'll lay down, and I'll be so exhausted, and I'll be almost asleep, and I'll think, oh, man, I didn't pray I got to pray with my wife, and I know what you're thinking, so I get up out of bed, I go downstairs. No, I text her. (laughs) Hey, sweetie, come upstairs so we can pray, and while you're at it, could you rub my back? (laughs) But she comes up, man, and we pray together at the end of every single day. Pray together, spend time together, date, do small things. You know what I've started doing, guys, and I'm telling you, at the beginning of doing this, it's the hardest thing in the world. I pause the TV when my wife comes into the room. That's huge. I mean, I don't know. Some of you get it. It's huge. But my wife walks in. And I used to like, yeah, honey, that's awesome. No, that's fantastic. Where are you going? Oh, that's great. Did you have fun? Oh, how was that? That's beautiful. I have no idea what she said. Nothing. Not one word. She'll say, uh, she'll say why weren't you there? Well, I didn't know about it. I told you. 
Was I watching TV? I'll always say that. You ever said that to your wife? Was I watching TV? Yeah, then I didn't hear you. How many of you have ever said that to your wife? Was I watching TV? Then I didn't hear you. Because I'm telling you, when they're watching TV, they don't hear you. I've started pausing the TV. I'll pause it for as long as I need to pause it. She'll walk in the room. And guess what now she does? She sits down and she tells me about her day and we talk and we communicate better. And I just wait until she's done. And then she'll say, what are you watching? I'm watching this. Let me watch it with you. If you find yourself in meetings three or four nights a week, then you probably need to eliminate some of those meetings. I told Pat Pat this. I said, dude, you know, I said, man, if you're in meetings three or four nights a week, then you need to start offending some folks and stop going into those meetings. You may say, well, I've got obligations. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But listen, listen to this. The only two people that you have to be intimate with are your spouse and your God. The only two people that you need to be intimate with are your spouse and your God. In order to be intimate with, with, with something or someone, there has to be this intense love, a love that supersedes the love of everything else. That's, that's intimacy. It incorporates a tense desire. It's consuming and it's, and it's time-consuming. Our spouses are to be the object of that intimate and intense love. And guess what, guys? That intimate, intimacy is to be duplicated in my intimacy with God. In John chapter 4, Jesus begins an interaction with a woman that doesn't really know who he is. But she shows this great interest in having a personal relationship with God. And Jesus is, is leading her to the cross. He's leading her to who he is. In John chapter 4, verse 23, he says this. But a time is coming, indeed, it's here now when true worshipers. Remember Paul said the true way to worship? When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God is actively seeking people that will worship him in this way. For, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He tells, her that, he tells her what an intimate relationship with God looks like, and he tells her that worship is intimacy. And the word for worship here, priskaneo, it literally means to throw kisses as you bow. To render divine honor by prostrating yourself, to adore and to show respect. It's almost as if I I am so enamored to be in your presence. I worship and praise you so much, God, that I almost can't stand. And as I'm I'm kneeling or as I'm bowing, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing kisses at you. That's a, that's a pretty in, intense love, isn't it? I'm just so enamored to be in your presence, God. I don't know whether to stand or to fall on my face. The word for spirit, he said you need to worship in spirit. Well, the word is pneuma, and, it, and it's, it's referring all the way back to Genesis where God breathes life into man. And it's this picture where God, has, as, as God is so close to you that he's breathing into your face and you're breathing back into his. That's, that's intimate, isn't it? Just get up into somebody's face and just, you want to see intimacy, just walk up to one of your friends, get two inches from her face and start breathing on him. I was with my son, man, we, we, we traveled together. We were in New York last year. This, this past year we went to Poland together and we were on a plane and I got right next to him, right here. And I said, Josh, is this annoying? And he said, Dad, when we get home, I'm going to need about two days where I don't see you. 
But man, I just want to be up in God's face. And I want to be that intimate and that close with my wife. And he says in truth, and I don't have this in my notes, but the word truth here means true as opposed to everything else. If anything else contradicts it, it's a lie. That, that's what that word truth means. And I'm truthfully to love my wife, and if anything else contradicts it, then it's a lie and it's wrong. You and I may need to ruthlessly eliminate anything or anyone that comes between our spouse and or our God. Allow me to quickly add one more thing to our list of calls. Marriage is a call to loyalty. Marriage is a call to loyalty. Remember Paul said, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Over the years, I've had many couples in my office ready to give it all up. Usually one of them feels betrayed by what, uh, you know, by something that he or she has done. But, but what's really interesting is how they've been betrayed. I, I, I've had ladies who were done with their husbands because they found more fulfillment in pleasure and pornography than they did in their spouse. If anything comes between you and your spouse, it ought to be ruthlessly eliminated. I had a couple in my office, no lie, a few years back, who were splitting up because the husband spent more hours playing Call of Duty than he did with his wife and kids. She was done. She said, he will come in. He's sitting right there. He will come home from work, and he will instantly go to to the Xbox and start playing Call of Duty and doesn't say anything to the kids or anything to me or the most we get is a grunt. If anything comes between you and your spouse or you and your God, it needs to be ruthlessly eliminated. I have had men leaving their wives because their wife or their husband because the the other one couldn't break off a relationship that they had, a new relationship that they had formed at the office or maybe an old relationship that they'd been consumed with on Facebook. Guys, my motto is this, and God taught me this through through two years of intense hanging on and intense depression, and I learned this motto. If you can't live without it, then you should probably live without it. Anything other than your God and your, and your spouse, if you cannot live without it, then you should probably live without it. Oh, Oh, the pain of putting it down and the ultimate joy of letting it go. You may need to ruthlessly eliminate anything or anyone that comes between you and your spouse or you and your God. I have two obligations in this life. And that is to my God and to my spouse. And those are non-negotiable. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. God, anoint this church and these people. Oh, cover them with the blood of Jesus and anoint them with the oil of joy. Pour out onto them. Give them wisdom. Give them passion and compassion and intimacy, Father, as they grow.
grow in an intense love for you and for one another because that's what it's all about. We love you and worship and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you guys for listening.